Let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, please. And let's start in verse 6 and 7, kind of a little, little bit of a review. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We talked uh, a couple weeks back now about this idea of hypocrisy. Really, we say one thing and do another, and it's kind of a putting on a show if it's not real. To claim to know him, to claim to have fellowship with him, uh, to claim to love him, yet walk in darkness and, and live completely different kinds of lives, it's a lie. He says we lie and we don't live by the truth. So God wants us to follow him. He wants us to live for him. And, and he, we're called to be holy because he's holy. That's just what the Bible says to us. So this, this subject I'm going to look at today really kind of, it kind of follows on from this in the sense that in, in, in chapter 1, verse 5, it says God is light. And it declares kind of who God is and, and his nature. And really, you know, the truth is what we're trying to get at. How many of you want to know the truth? I mean, I would like to know the truth. So he says here, you know, if we claim to have fellowship and we walk in darkness, we lie and don't live by the truth. Now, does that mean that we will be perfect? That we will never sin? That we get to this place where we think that, you know, I've arrived now, I'm all good. Everything is, is great. I'm, I'm never going to have that problem, never have that struggle, never fall in that area again. Let's read verses 8 through 10. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. We're going to talk next week about confession, but what I want to back up and look at first is this idea of of if we claim to be without sin, we've got no sin. And then kind of in terms of us as a human race, and again, knowing what the truth is, is, is this concept, and we're going to get a little into philosophy as well as just uh, the truth of, of, of the whole situation of you know, the human race. Is there no such thing as sin? What is this concept that, that, we, that we have called sin, right? Where does it come from? People would tell you that it, it doesn't even exist at all. And you don't have to look very far. You can, you can do a, I just did a very quick search, and, and these things come up, a quote like this. It says, I don't need an imaginary God to forgive me of my sins. There is no such thing as sin. You say, well, I don't believe that, but many in our society, many in our world do. 
There was a, uh, another uh, website called Positive Resonance, which is kind of weird. But this person says, although spirituality also believes in a higher power of sorts, there's also the understanding that this power is not separate from us. Instead, it is a part of us. You got to listen carefully. Or as more commonly described, we humans and everything in existence are a part of it. Do you hear what this person is saying? We are all God. We are a part of God. God is us. We are God. It's all God. You say, well, I don't believe that. And I've never heard of that before. It is, a, it is a common thing. With this in mind, the logic behind the concept of sinning starts to fall apart, they say. How can we humans as individuals be punished if we are not separate from the punisher? If we are God? The answer, which, be, which can be extremely hard to accept at first, is that the concept of sin in the religious sense does not actually exist. You know, is that true? Is it true? You know, this, this whole concept of truth and lies, it, it really goes back to Genesis chapter 3. And, and this, this idea of, you know, uh, we are all God and we're, you know, part of this consciousness of, you know, this higher consciousness of truth, which is really a lie. But it goes back to Genesis chapter 3 when you read about it and Satan says to Eve, you will eat of this and what? You'll know that, you know, truth and, uh, you know, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil and you will be like what? You will be like God. This is where, you know, we're going to be. So, the, you know... What God is saying is not true, but what I'm telling you is true. Now, can we trust anything that the, say, that the devil would ever say? One wrote, in, the, in actually in a newspaper, he said, in answer to the question, is sin real? One writer expressed her view in the words, no, sin does not exist. Sins are human constructs designed by the early religious leaders to promote a patriarchal society and to control the masses through fear-based living. Someone else wrote, sin is a problem that Christianity created and is now trying to fix. This is what people think about this whole thing, you see. Denying that sin actually exists. There's a guy who wrote a book, and, and this is the title of his book. There ain't no such thing as hell or the devil, demons, sin, Armageddon, the Antichrist, and other such nonsense. 2014, this is, this is recent. This guy had made a commitment to follow Christ, but it, it says that uh, he, he spent years studying uh, the topics, he says, and and it says, they, they were for me, he says, a constant source of uneasiness and anxiety in my life. So I spent two decades evolving out of the emotional and intellectual prison in which those very ugly concepts had incarcerated me. See, the, the truth is the truth. And, and there are a lot of lies out there, a lot of ways to kind of... Uh, explain things away that, that takes us away from the truth and that actually takes us away from the freedom that God offers to us. 
He was incarcerated by, by his own, the lies is what were holding him in prison, not the truth. I, I firmly believe that we in ourselves, we know, we know that sin is real. We, we just know it. There's something in us that we just know. And, and we know that what these people are saying is not true. And the Bible declares the truth about it, the, the truth about God. And as I said, the, cons, the, the context about who God is, because it, first we need to know who God is. And then we need to know who we are. And then, and then this whole concept of sin is like, well, there's a, there's a gap between us and God. Our sins separate us from God. I think there's something in us that known. I think, I think the bottom line for me is this. Are we willing to admit it? Are we willing to humble ourselves before the God of truth? I think that is the number one thing. Let's see, you know, not, not to make ourselves God and lift ourselves up, but to humble ourselves before the God of truth. I, I'm going to give you some scripture because I, 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 the scripture is, it makes it so very, very clear. And, and you, you know these verses. Most of you have heard these before. Romans 3.23. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is, this is who we are. This is us. All of us. What else does it say? It says there is no one righteous. Not even one. Not even one single righteous person. Except Jesus, of course, who came. Solomon was a very wise man. Solomon writes this, who can say, this is in the book of Proverbs, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin. How many of you can say that? Can any of you stand up here and say that? What about in Ecclesiastes, he says this, there's not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. So, so the Bible, you know, there's no like getting around it. Well, well, some people were better than others. No, we are all sinners. This is, this is who, we, who, who we are. And, and, and then, you, then you say, well, how did we get ourselves into this mess? Because Genesis 1 doesn't have that. Genesis 2 doesn't have that. But you look at Genesis 3, you see it happened. It happened through Adam and Eve, right? And, and, and that's what... Paul says in the book of Romans, he says, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. You see, it all, it all started with Adam and Eve, but it was passed on to us. This sin nature, it's, it's within us, it's there. You know, there's an idea, you know, idea, well, uh, I'm a sinner because I sin. No, I sin because I'm a sinner, because I have a sin nature that was passed down to me through Adam. This is, the, this is where it all comes from, you see. How did we get into this mess? But sin is real. Uh, you know, for us to deny it, for us to try to justify it, and this is some of the things that we do, we're going to talk about that next week. We try to justify it. We try to shift the blame onto somebody else. Instead of just taking responsibility. Sin is real. Death is real. And, and, and as Paul said there, that death came through sin. You see, the wages of sin is what? 
This is what this is what we get paid. This is what pay is the payment for sin. It's death. There was a sermon that was uh, preached, you know, hundreds of years ago, a few hundred years ago, I should say. And some of you heard of it. I, I've never actually read the sermon. I have to be honest with you, but I know the title, and I think it's kind of misleading. And from what I've heard about the sermon, I probably should read it someday, but the sermon's called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And, and, you know, like I said, I haven't read it, so I can't even comment on it. But the fact of the matter is, I think the title is misleading. I think, I think what the, the title should be, Sinners in the Hand of a Saving God, you see. You see, because God didn't just say, well, you're sinners, and, and, and this message isn't for me to hammer on you about what such a rotten sinner you are. But you are. But I think you already know that. I already know that, that I, that you are, no, that I am a, a rotten sinner in my core. In the, in the, Paul said, there's nothing good in me, not, you know, in my flesh. There's no, it dwells no good thing in my flesh. But you see, God didn't just leave it like that. In fact, the verse before this verse says this, that we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He didn't leave it like that, you see. He could have. But he wanted to have that reconciliation with us. He wanted to have that fellowship with us. And so he, he sent his son to, to make it right. And all we have to do is not get better and stop sinning. All we have to do is trust in Jesus Christ who who was without sin, who died on a cross, a cruel, wicked death to pay the price. That death, as we have said, is the payment for sin. And he did it for us. And all we have to do is look to him like the the man that was on the cross next to him. He says, he, he looked to Jesus. He said, this day, this day you'll be with me in paradise. It's interesting, this passage, it, it, it kind of has a couple of concepts here. One is sin, singular, and then sins, plural. So it's kind of this idea, of we have this sin nature and the sins that come out of that. And, and this first verse we're looking at here, verse 8, kind of talks about this sin nature. Look what it says there in verse 8. We read it already, but he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we, we claim we don't have that, he says we're deceiving ourselves. It's a lie. Some of these folks that I read quotes from there, they're, they're just wrapped up in deception. They're lying. And it says they deceive themselves. We lie to ourselves. To think that I don't have any sin, it's, you know, how can you lie to yourself uh, with that? I think that in itself, you know, to have that kind of attitude, I, well, I don't have any sin nature in me, that, that's, a, that's a sin in itself. Paul said in Galatians 6, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If you think you're something great, 
When you are nothing, you're, you're just deceiving yourself. He says here, the truth is not in us. We don't, we don't got the truth in us. I mentioned the enemy, the devil. Uh, Jesus said it about him. He says that he doesn't hold the to the truth. He was a murderer. He says there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native, native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, so when, when we have this attitude, we're kind of like, and, and he said in the beginning of that verse, he says, you belong to your father, the devil. And so we're kind of like following in that family's footsteps, you see. Deceiving ourselves. Can we, can we deceive ourselves? Can we lie to ourselves? We do it. And Satan was there in the garden. He lied to them. He said, you know, you don't really need God to tell you anything. You know, you step aside with this and, and this is a new path. This is, a, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. You know, you're going to be like God. I think the number one I think the number one sin in all of life is, is that we don't need God. I don't need God. I don't need... He, he's, a, he's something that people made up. I don't need Him. I am okay on my own, by myself. Do you want the truth? I, I don't know. I want the truth. But I want God's truth. Because man's truth... There's, there's a problem with that. How many of you have ever heard of Skip Heitzig? Skip Heitzig, he's a pastor in Albuquerque. And uh, he, he did an article, it was on CBN News, and, and he said this, truth matters. Truth matters. The body of real things, Webster defines it, events and facts, real Things, true things. He said, each of us has a desire to know the truth, but distinguishing fact from fiction can often feel overwhelming. He said, according to the Pew Research Center, these guys who do these studies, he said 64%, listen carefully, 64% of adults in the U.S. struggle to discern truth from falsity when, li when listening to elected officials. 60 4%. You don't know if, if the politicians are telling you the truth or a lie. Is that true? Yes, it is. You, you may think that your guy, your girl, whoever, they, they're, they, they're just spot on. I'm sorry. I don't care what side you're on. You, you, you're going to have to discern what's true and what's not true. 48% struggle to discern truth on social media. Wait a minute, everything I read on false book or Facebook, whatever it is, is true. Isn't it? Everything you read there has got to be true. 41% struggle to discern truth while watching or listening to cable news. What? That's why I watch the news so that I can find the truth and find out what's real, what's... Wow. He said the Barna Group says that we're living in a post-truth world in which reality is relative and even the facts are open to interpretation. That's pretty scary, isn't it? 
They don't recognize any kind of absolute truth. You know, it's, it's relative, this idea of relativism. It, you know, it just depends on what you think is true, what you believe is true. If it's true for you, it's good. Now, you say, well, I don't know. I, don't, I never heard that. I don't know that. And look around in society. Some of the, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, some of the insane philosophies that are being put on us because that's what you think is true, so that's what makes it true. Well, I think I'm this and I think I'm that. Well, when you really are this or that. But because I think it's true, we're all going to have to buy into that. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Truth matters. Truth matters. The Barna study said this only 35% believe in absolute truth. Only 35%, that's like one out of three, believe that truth, there is, a, there is truth to be known. I hope you're in one of that, one of that 35%. that it's relative. Truth is relative. It's just, you know, if you believe it, if you think it. 21% never even think about it. They just go on with their lives. I don't know what I'm thinking. Skip said, you know, that respect and knowledge of God's truth seems to be fading, even in the church. This scares me. He said, which is... Which is why it is essential that we return to Scripture as our source of truth and allow it to convict, correct, and challenge us. We, we've got to hold on to the Scripture, folks. It, when we leave it aside, we're in trouble. And that's why, you know, I hammer this over and over again. You've got to get into the, into the Word for yourself. If you want to know the truth, if, if, if you want to know what sets people free, Jesus said it's following His Word. Abiding in his word, listening to what he has to say. How else are you going to know when you hear something on cable news like, oh, that's weird. If you know what the truth is, if your mind is, is first and foremost fed and, and founded on what the, the scripture has to teach. Now, we're not going to do a study today about the, the foundation of scripture, but it's all, you know, there are st- study after studies that you can listen to and hear about how we got our scripture. How do we, how do we got this book? Why we can trust it, why we can rely on it. Psalm, Psalm 51, though, David, uh, we're going to talk more about this next week for sure. Psalm 51, does anybody know what Psalm 51 is about? What it's called? The Psalm of Repentance. repentance. Thank you. It's a Psalm of Repentance. And in, in the middle of that, David's, you know, it's a Psalm of David's repentance. And he got called on the carpet for everything that he had done with Bathsheba and the whole situation. But he says in the middle of this, surely... You desire truth in the inner parts. God wants us to have the truth in us. He says, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. If you want to know the truth, if you want to know the truth about God, it's, it's found right here. He is light, but he's also love. We, the truth about who you and I are, we are sinners, but God sent his son to save us, to rescue us. To forgive us. Jump down to verse 10. We'll come back to verse 9 next week. I promise. 
God willing, that we're here next week. I'll let you think about that for a second. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word, notice that, his word has no place in our lives. He said earlier, we lie. Verse 6, we claim these things and yet we walk in darkness. We lie. And now if we claim that we haven't sinned, that we never sinned and whatever, we make him out to be a liar. We're lying and now we're also calling God a liar. We're calling God a liar. These, these people in their writings, I don't care what they, they think they're doing, they're calling God a liar. They're saying God doesn't exist and if he does, he's a liar. I think they got the wrong person, don't you? But notice he says, John says, if we, not those people over there, if we claim, if we confess, if we claim, we make him out to be our, we, we need to, again, it needs to get back real and get personal for you and I, we, you know, what, what's my position on all this? We make him out to be a liar, we're calling God a liar. Uh, Romans chapter 3 verse says, let God be true, but every man a liar. If anybody's going to be true, it's not going to be us. It's going to be God. But you and I, we, you know, how many of you ever told a lie in your life? Never told a lie. I mean, if you ever, if you ever spend any time around kids, uh, little kids, you know, it, it doesn't take long before you begin to see. My kid is a sinner. I, don't, I didn't even teach them how to lie. And they do. I, don't, I, ne- I never taught them how to manipulate. Well, maybe our example did. But, but they do. You don't have to teach kids. How many, you know, your eyes are open like, man, my kid did that? Where did they learn that? The, it, it's, our, it's, it's inside. You and I... You know, we're, we're really no better than a little kid, really. We're, we're just as much sinners as our kids are. It's in us. You see, the truth. Hello? Oh, I love that song. He says, we are, we make him out to be a liar, and they're, is no place in our lives for his word. You know, again, I get back to that. Does his word have a place in our lives? Or do we get our truth, our reality from CNN, Facebook, Google? I use Google all the time. I understand that. But, but you know, you, you've got to be very careful. What, you know. Or do we get it from God's word? What's number one? What's number one? In, later in, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, I love this. Uh, John says, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. 
They were strong. Why? Because they were young? No. They were strong because the word of God lived in them. And he he says it here. His word has no place in our lives. His, His word needs to have a place in my life and in your life. I don't know what I would do without God's word on a daily basis. The writer of the Hebrews says the word of God is living and active. That in itself is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's not some dead, dry book. Uh, that's a lie of, of the, from the pit of hell that, that this book has no relevance to you, to your life today. It's living. It's alive. It's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It gets right in there. If you've never had that experience, I, I don't think you're, you've, you've opened the book. I don't think you've humbled yourself before God and said, God, I need you. I need you to speak to me. I need, I need your word in my life. Back to the beginning, though, it's, it's really a problem of pride and humility. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We'll close with this. Uh, Luke chapter 18, excuse me, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and uh, verse 9. It says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, like, I'm good, I'm good. And looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, religious guy, and and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about, could also be translated, to himself, He said, God, I I thank you that I'm not like these other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Man, I even tithe. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. At the heart of sin is what letter? I. It's pride, the heart of pride, the, the, the center of the word pride is the letter I. I, pride. Pride keeps us away from the truth. God didn't. Jesus says in, in John, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. Or John says that, I should say. Jesus was sent to save us, not to condemn us. But until we know who we are, until we know the truth about who we are as as a human being, that we need to be saved, we'll never be saved because I think I'm good, I'm okay. But God sent his son to save the world. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, first and foremost, to, to die for us, sinners, that we might be saved, reconciled, rescued, forgiven forever and ever, that we might have a place in heaven, that we might live forever because our sins are paid for. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. And all we have to do is look to the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Lord, thank you for for giving us the truth, for sending your word to us that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free, the truth of of, of what Jesus came to tell us. Beginning in the book of Gener- Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, the truth of, of the past, the present, and the future. Lord, we have a, a bright future because of what Jesus did for us. Yeah, we are sinners. And we do sin and and. But thankfully, Lord, you have provided even the way for us to deal with that as we confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, Pray for any maybe that are here today that just never never humbled themselves before the cross. See the example of this man who said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe that's you today. You can you can humble yourself before him right now and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I believe in the cross of Jesus Christ that he paid the price for my sin. You pray that prayer, your life will be changed forever into eternity. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. I pray for our baptism, Lord, that that we would be a light, a very bright light shining down at the shore and and people would wonder what's going on over there but we're followers of Jesus Christ he saved us he he rescued us and and we're not afraid to let people know protect us lord i pray for calm waters help us with that too lord in jesus name amen I mean, let's stand and sing together, shall we?